0: Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. In the Mississippi Legislature, House Bill 728 funds health care for illegal immigrants. Call your legislator today at 601-359-3770. Ask them to stop House Bill 728. It's not too late. You can help stop this. Paid for by Building America's Future.
1: This is Gerard Gibbert, and thank you for listening to Middays here on Super
0: Talk Mississippi. Get ready. Get ready.
1: everyone, and welcome to Midday's Super Talk Mississippi. I'm your host, Gerard Gibbert. Along with Rhino, we're in the Element Wealth Studios, guiding you through the middle of your day with facts, fodder, and fine music on this Friday, y'all. <laughs> hey, we have made it through another week here. Yeah, it's been a good one, too. A lot of stuff going on. Had some great conversation for sure coming up on the program today. Terry Herring, founder of Choose Life Mississippi. That's uh will be an interview we'll do at 10:20. That will entail a discussion about the March for Life rally in DC. And then at 11:05, uh JT Mitchell, the super top Mississippi News Director I'm thinking Rhino's got some great doors music in store for us for JT's appearance on the show. He a big doors fan, of course. Speaking of music, David Crosby, founding member of The Birds, and of course Crosby Stills and Nash, dead at the age of 81, and I got to tell you, I'm feeling old. Feeling old. Now, I'm not so sure I would align too greatly with Mr. Crosby from a political perspective, but you simply cannot deny that the singer-songwriter-guitarist was quite the talent. There's no doubt about that. And I will say I miss that music. I miss, uh, and I listen to it still. little Crosby, Stills, Nash, occasionally. Crosby, Stills, and Nash were joined by Neil Young. Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. C-S-N-Y, as it is tossed about to describe, uh, I guess, the the acronym, if you will, to describe the rather prolific band of the 60s, 70s, but... These artists from that era, they're getting up there in age, and we're losing them, sadly. Um, says, his wife says, although he is no longer here with us, his humanity and kind soul will continue to guide and inspire us. His legacy will continue to live on through his legendary music. Peace, love, and harmony to all who knew David and those he touched. Thank you for your love and prayers. So just looking back, Rhino, at some of these photos of the birds with the little granny glasses. Remember when that was a thing in the 60s? Well, I don't remember, but I've been told. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Tambourine Man, well, surely you've seen the videos, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. They're, they're still viewed to this day I mean they're legendary iconic in nature it's actually the
2: video of the birds performing turn yeah that kind of messed with my head as a young child because that was when the technology for black and white film photography and video had kind of peaked yeah and color was still cutting edge so you see the black and white footage of them singing turn and it's in black and white, but it's crisp and crystal clear and it's almost high definition looking. And then I saw other videos from the Time in Color that were blurry and it just messed with my head before I <laughs> before I could
1: contextualize the timeline of how video worked. Well, of course, that famous tune, Bird's Tune, Turn Turn, Turn, featured, of course, in Forrest Gump. Forest, Forest Gump. <laughs> It seems, as I recall, the, uh, the song was fired up in the movie at the time the bus was headed from Berkeley there with Jenny on board headed to Washington, D.C. for a protest. That's what that what I seem to remember I could be wrong about that. My recollection of that scene in the movie with Forrest Gump there in his uniform waving to Jenny who flashes the peace sign through the back window of the of the bus seems like that's when the song came up The song track of the movie may be the the best part of the whole dang film, right The music was incredible, and uh of course the acting was. Stellar as well, as was the storyline. Pretty neat. You know, the other day, folks, we shared this story with you about the city by the bay. Speaking of David Crosby and all the music in Berkeley and so forth, the center of the world of the 60s for sure. Berkeley, the, the protests of the 60s and the cause of the 60s to end the war, the Vietnam War. And a protest against the man, etc. San Francisco, we shared with you the other day, they formed a committee to look at paying $5 million to every, what they describe as a longtime black resident. Well, they've come back with a Hold My Beer Effort Now proposal. They want to forgive all the debt these residents hold and pay them $97,000 a year, each individual, for life. It would cost the city $50 billion, it is estimated. That's only if 10,000 people qualify. The payments would be given to black residents at least 18 years old. Where does all this come from? When does it stop? Does it ever? We're so twisted up into knots about this stuff. And it's it's almost as if there's a contest within these deep blue communities and states. Just how far they can go to push the envelope in so many different ways on so many different fronts in the name of equity. So speaking of this equity push, something we've certainly discussed on the program before, (laughs) Texas A&M University Med School. It has been revealed. Well, those folks out there have decided to remove the College of Medicine remove prominently placed photos of white male alumni in order to show the school's commitment to diversity, equity, inclusion. That is becoming quickly the bane of society. It's its own little cult religion. No doubt about it. You recall a couple of weeks ago, Rhino, when uh, we brought out this story in Virginia, a school district, a single district in Virginia where they uh, had decided to withhold National Merit Scholar Awards, withhold informing students and families about these until after the admission, the, actually the application date for college? In the name of equity, because as it turned out, most of the awards went to non-marginalized students. Those from the non-marginalized, or or, pardon me, the marginalized population didn't fare as well as those who came from the non-marginalized. It was mostly Asian and and Caucasian students, white students. So they said, well, we're just going to kind of implement our own little social justice equity here and just withhold disclosing this information to the families, costing them scholarships, admissions even, potentially. Now it's been learned it wasn't just that one district, it's 16. So it's become a widespread problem to the point where Governor Glenn Youngkin worked with the legislature to enact a bill, a law, that now requires schools to deliver this information upon receipt of it to families so they are immediately aware of any awards received any recognition, any scholarships can't hold it up. This is all of course in the name of equity. This is a march to mediocrity on steroids that I think is is really, Turning this country and, and, and sending it on a trajectory that will harm us all, no question about it. We're stepping aside for a break right here. When we come back, it's Terry Herring, the founder of Choose Life Mississippi.
0: That keeps Mississippi talking. Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Let's get on with it. On Super Talk Mississippi.
1: Welcome back everyone. Middays Super Talk Mississippi in the Element Well Studios. Joining us now Terry Herring, founder of Choose Life, Mississippi. Morning, Terry. Thanks for joining us on Middays.
3: Good morning. Thanks for having me.
1: All right, so tell us about this March for Life rally going on in Washington, DC.
3: Well, you know, the March for Life is marking the 50th anniversary, what would have been the 50th anniversary for Roe versus Wade. And uh, instead, we are able to mark this as a year of jubilee for the unborn babies that are going to be saved through the Dobbs Act, which was instrumental in the overturn of Roe versus Wade and came out of our Mississippi legislature.
1: Right. And it's scheduled for today, correct? Getting underway?
3: Yes, but t- yeah, tomorrow's the, the actual anniversary of Roe v. Wade, but today is the march. And um, in Mississippi, there is also a prayer meeting today um, commemorating the baby's lives that have been lost. And that's at 3 p.m. at our state capitol in Mississippi. Uh, but, you know, we're all celebrating them matter are because we are seeing such an amazing uh time in history you know you were talking about inequity but up until now uh roe versus wade has been the giant in the land and and without slaying goliath nothing we passed in the legislature uh, avoided the courts and so this puts the ability to um uh, regulate abortion in the state's hands. Mississippi has been strong. Uh, speaker Philip Gunn has carried a lot of weight with this. We're going to certainly miss um, his departure, and are hopeful that we will have a speaker that will continue to press for pro-life legislation and defend the legislation that we have. We don't want to lose any ground, and Mississippi is protecting babies. And the last abortion clinic closed. But that doesn't mean that we don't still need to, to do a lot of work. Uh, Choose Life Mississippi is supporting over 30 pregnancy resource centers through our grants. Um, they are really privately raising their own funds as well. But we are getting up to about the $4 million mark um, as far as being able to distribute funds uh, to the centers. And so one of the things that Philip and I talked about, uh, Speaker Gunn and I spoke about last year was how does Mississippi – Now that we have ended abortion uh, in our state for practical purposes, um, again, we're still fighting um, the distribution of uh, abortion pills and that kind of thing. But the exciting thing is that we are seeing um, the state step to the plate and fund our pregnancy centers. So last year there was a 3.75 um, million, 3.75 million um, tax credit that was provided for Mississippi to distribute to the pregnancy centers. And we were able to this year um, just, you know, collect tax, what would have been taxes at, at 1.9 million to the pregnancy centers out of that 3.75. But a lot of this is an educational process for getting people to understand. I know for, um, my husband and I personally, like understanding that, co- that corporations can give what would be their ad valorem tax to the Pregnancy Center Act, and that would be a a complete tax credit for that corporation. So we're really excited to be able to have given this money to the pregnancy centers because we have to do something to help women. Now that we've ended abortion, per se, in Mississippi, we want to see our statistics change. Um, We know currently that the um, infant mortality rate in Mississippi is very how can we educate young women and get them into uh, the process of having a healthy child and knowing what to how to parent that child if they do not choose adoption?
1: And we should point out that this uh, this this bill that went into effect that allows corporations and individuals to contribute it is a dollar for dollar tax credit. so in essentially the way the speaker, described it when he was on the program a couple of weeks ago is you're you're sending that money to the CPCs as opposed to the state, the exact same amount of money. So it doesn't just reduce your tax liability, it it actually offsets it on a dollar for dollar basis. So it's a great program ba- in that it, respect. It
3: allows us to determine where our tax dollars will go. Yeah. And, and and in our it's very important for these pregnancy centers to really be able to do the things that we want them to do long term. would love to see um, uh, them to be able to go fully medical at some point. Hmm. Currently, they're able to perform so many services and they're able to refer for many services. But to see uh, the statistics change in Mississippi, uh, to see that ending abortion uh, is not going to hurt Mississippi and in, in, uh, women, that hmm. they are going to move forward and in- Continue to live a productive life. We want to be sure we provide women with the help they need. And people can go to Choose chooselifems.org and you can find out how to buy a Choose Life tag. And the Choose Life tags are still supporting Mississippi women through the pregnancy centers. But you can also give a tax deductible gift to Choose Life Mississippi. And it'll be distributed to pregnancy centers that are in Mississippi. Yep. So um, we're just excited about what God has done in our state and allowing us to be instrumental in the overturn of Roe v. Wade. And we've worked for many years uh, to see these laws changed and thousands and thousands of babies have already been uh, had their lives saved by, uh, by the laws in Mississippi and in other states that are protecting human life. So we um, celebrate that today
1: sure how, how many pregnancy centers are there now in the state terry
3: with well, the ones that choose life supports and have grants from choose life are 32 at this time and that's mostly pregnancy resource centers some of those resource centers are adoption centers as well so um yes we've got a lot of help going out but there's a great need in mississippi too and so uh you know as as we step forward say, you don't have to have an abortion, you will receive help, we want to come, you know, be good to our word, and the the pregnancy care centers do just that, mm-hmm. they provide care, they care about the women, and there's a big difference between uh, seeing a doctor, if you even went early in your pregnancy maybe nine times. Again, we need the medical community. But these pregnancy centers do a lot of things that the medical community alone, alone cannot do. Yeah. So having people there to care about you and can help you through a pregnancy, um, I think it's going to be a great thing to come to the end of this year and, and maybe the next and see the statistics in Mississippi change for the better.
1: Attorney General Lynn Fitch, of course, who spearheaded the, the Dobbs uh, case, uh, which led to the overturning of Roe v. Wade, ha- has talked quite a bit about the need for the legislature to act, to, to be more supportive uh, of new mothers that make this decision to, to have their baby as, a por- as opposed to aborting it, and that we need to get more active in that regard uh, just to help them out with that responsibility. Any thoughts about that and how your organization is working there?
3: Well, you know, Lynn Fitch has, has been a key, has played a key role in this uh, Dobbs decision because it originated, as you know, as a 15-week gestational age act, mm-hmm. and it, and it was intentional to try to reduce abortions in Mississippi from 16 weeks to 15 weeks. But it also gave us the opportunity, and Lynn Fitch took that opportunity to ask for the overturn of Roe versus Wade, and and she's speaking today. Um, in the in the March for Life in right. Washington D.C., we're so proud accomplished um i think in in the in the in terms of helping women uh you know this money is going to be so key because it just takes that kind of support to get women through a pregnancy that um that you know whether she's young whether she's uh, juggling a family at home already there are so many things we can do and i know i was a young mother myself and uh you know you you, you don't know if you're going to keep your job if you're you know, performing a task that might be uh, difficult to do while pregnant, and so I, I'd like to also just call on Mississippi employers to, um, you know, make a way for pregnant women to continue working if if they work for you now. And it it is the law that you're not allowed to lose your job just because you become pregnant. Yeah. But I think a lot of women out there say that it, that it, it sometimes it's very difficult to make it through those times, and and we have a lot of young women getting pregnant. But again. Um, helping us through that time in our lives where uh, it is not easy to be a woman and pregnant and maybe having an unplanned pregnancy uh is is all the more difficult but god god can make a way and he can make a way through churches um there's a, a program called embrace grace that is doing a great job in the churches so we need churches to step up and help women and these pregnancy resource centers are are a huge part all right so if you go to choose dot choose ORG, you can get more information about buying a Choose Life tag to support these women or giving a donation. And we would love to have you on board with helping women choose life in Mississippi.
1: Terry, Terry Herring, appreciate it. Founder of Choose Life Mississippi. Thanks for coming on, Terry.
3: Thank you so much for having me. God bless.
1: You got it. God bless as well. We'll step aside for a break here on middays. Coming right back with the five stair steps pumping us out of this segment.
0: With Gerard Gibbert. Welcome, welcome to our show. On Super Talk Mississippi. Okay, now you have a good one.
1: We are back with you in the Element Wealth Studios. It is a Friday, y'all. J.T. Mitchell, News Director, Super Top Mississippi News. will be in the studios uh, opening up his interview with a little music from the doors, I'm feeling like, is in store for us. That'll be at 11.05. So, yeah, this, this March for Life rally is going to be a pretty big deal. I, I hope that it's uneventful, that there are no confrontations. I'm worried about that, honestly. There are some pro-choice zealots in particular that can get pretty unruly, say, shall we say. You remember when the Supreme Court was deliberating this case, hearing this case. It got kind of crazy around there. The justices themselves, right, were threatening their lives, th- those of their families. They were organizing and staging protests around their homes. They were doxing them. They can get crazy. So I'm worried about that. I'm quite sure Attorney General Lynn Fitch is surrounded by lots of security, accompanied by lots of security for this event, as are the other speakers and others in attendance. I'm just a worry wart like this, so I'm concerned. And while what Ms. Herring said is absolutely correct, that we have seen a decrease, of course, in abortions in those states which immediately upon the decision from the Supreme Court very busily began implementing laws. Some laws were tr- were triggered by the case. They were staged waiting for the decision and, and went into effect, such as in Mississippi, should uh, the case uh, come out in favor of overturning Roe v. Wade, which is what happened. Unfortunately, states that are more pro-choice in nature... They've been working just as vigorously to increase access to abortion and extend the timeline by which an abortion can be performed up to the nine-month period, the end of the gestation period. Some such as California are even providing financial assistance. To those in the states that have taken a more restrictive approach, such as Mississippi outlawing abortion, to travel to their states to receive the procedure. Now federal regulators have green-lighted the ability of pharmacists to dispense abortion pills. A long-time restriction required that only doctors could dispense. I'm going to try to pronounce it here, Rhino. Mifepristone? I may have said it wrong. That's close enough. Yeah. is the name. Here, I got it right here.
0: Mifepristone.
1: I did it right. How about that? (laughs) I was guessing, I'll have to admit. But that's the so-called abortion pill. That's the drug that is approved for abortions up to 10 weeks, but required a physician to write a prescription. Now the FDA says, well, pharmacists can do this. Don't require a physician. There's even talk that you'll be able to buy these pills online, have them shipped to you. So this is a debate that's – the point is, this is not over. Just because overturning of Roe v. Wade, the advocates on the pro-choice side are, are strong in numbers, they're well-funded, and they're pushing all sorts of changes in law to essentially overcome the restrictive nature of overturning Roe v. Wade that we've seen manifest at the state level. So it's just another one of those issues where the states are so, so split, so bifurcated. This is maybe one of the main ones. Voting rights is the other one that comes to mind. You look at the stark contrast in the election process in from state to state, states that basically want to make it Uh, almost to the point where anybody can vote as many times as they want, whether they're who they are or not. I mean, it's gotten to that level. I also saw that uh, Shawaski Young, Democrat, you know who he is, that's been on the program before. He he ran against uh, Congressman Michael Guest as a candidate for Congress in the 3rd Congressional District. And he has announced that he is running for Secretary of State. And I caught a tweet from Mr. Young the other day, which said, defeating voter suppression in Mississippi and across the country starts with electing Democrats. The D stands for deliver. And I I started thinking, well, could Mr. Young produce a person or persons who would say publicly, yeah, I simply can't vote. I'm unable to vote in Mississippi. I'm suppressed. I, I would just want to see some real-life examples. Some people come forward and say, yeah, I just can't vote here. Really? Well, why not? I don't have an ID? Is that what they're going to tell us? Because that's probably the main thing that the Democrats attack about Mississippi's Voting requirements, you've got to have a photo ID to prove you who you are. Are they going to tell us that, going to hand us that fake news again? What do you mean you don't have a photo ID? It's pretty easy. And don't say, well, I don't have a way to get to where i got to get my photo taken because that's the same means of travel you'd use to go vote. Because we don't have electronic voting. We, we, you could mail-in vote, but you still have to go through the process. And you've got to have a signature on file to prove who you are. So I'm not buying that. I don't know why we keep getting these uh, these false accusations. In, in,
2: uh, it's the soft bigotry of low expectations.
1: Well... It's just flat out wrong. It's it's disingenuous. If a
2: Republican tried to spin that yarn, they'd be called racist. But because Democrats spin that yarn, they're called noble.
1: Oh gosh, yeah, looking out for folks, I guess is what they'll tell you. But just about this abortion issue to wrap this up, my my concern is that while you got to be pleased if you're pro-life person with the states acting after the overturn of Roe v. Wade, which, of course, the main legal aspect of that is it sent the issue back to the states. You make the call, which is the way it should be. And so states have acted. Unfortunately, strong pro-choice states have also acted to make abortion way more accessible and to essentially eliminate any, any financial gates from receiving the procedure. You don't have the money? We'll help you. We'll pay for it. That's what's happening. Now we got the pill. So I don't know that you could deduce from the sale of the pills necessarily, I don't think you can tie that to an abortion. So if you try to calculate how many abortions are still happening when you inject this pill approach into the equation, I don't know that you can get any meaningful data, because it looks to me like the, the Fed is about to authorize the sale of the pill remotely. Well, I'm sure that'll work out without any issues whatsoever. And you just check the box that says what I'm 18 or or whatever, right? It's kind of the way that stuff works. It's same for pornographic content, you know. He yeah, check here. That's <laughs> all you gotta do. And and that's their, um, I guess that's their approach on that, which is kind of crazy. Yesterday I did tease something concerning Walmart and healthcare coverage. And I failed to discuss it. That's on me. But I promise when we come back, I'm going to complete that story and share it with you. We are in the Element Wealth Studios today on Middays. We're coming right back.
0: systems coach the talk that keeps mississippi talking middays with gerard gibbert on super talk mississippi
1: midday, super top Mississippi, will you please fire up some Crosby, Stills, and Nash here in the next? Time? in honor of David
2: Crosby. I got some coming okay. later on. All
1: right. CJ in the Delta said, Sweet Judy Blue Eyes gets me up and singing every time. One of the famous tunes from the album. I don't think the album had a name, as I recall. It just had the three of them sitting out like on a bench or something. Remember that, the house in the background? I think it was just called Crosby, Stills, and Nash. Was there a name to the album? I don't think there was. Hmm. That was what I kind of remember whenever I talk about playing it, like, you know, the the album, the Crosby, Stills, and Nash album. Hmm. You looking that up? Yeah, it looks like it was just self-titled. Yeah, that's what I thought. Okay, my Walmart story. So... I apologize yesterday for teasing this and, and then not telling the story. Please forgive me for that. And this was an exchange I was having on social media, and it was about how to address the healthcare situation and I just I've said it before that services provided it doesn't matter what the industry is, but when you're providing services or it could be products, but they're not being paid for. You're the seller and the buyer is not paying for them. In the context of health care, if the health care provider, institution, hospital, is delivering a complement of services to a patient, and those services are not going to be compensated to the hospital, that's just hard to make <laughs> That business model viable, if not impossible. I I just don't know of too many businesses that can take that kind of hit. Retail businesses across this country are struggling, for example, with theft. It's rampant. And so how are they addressing that? You've seen this. All sorts of new technology, such as Home Depot and Lowe's, are now installing RFID chips, which cost money, of course, on their power tools. And unless they disable those when you buy them and check out, they don't work once you get them out of the store. You seen this? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's an example of it, right? So they're, I think they're, the
2: craziest example I've seen is to protect the buggies out front, the shopping carts. What are they doing? They have wheels on one of the four. They have a wheel that is... Replacing one of the four casters, one of the four wheels underneath the buggy. Yeah. And it has a little GPS in it. And if it gets too far away from the building, that wheel
1: locks <laughs> permanently. I love it. has to
2: be replaced.
1: Now, so obviously all that costs money. But clearly somebody's done the math on that and said, well, that costs less than the stuff walking off because people are taking it. But we end up paying for that. It would be better, right, if none of that happened. You didn't have to invest all that in all that technology to protect your assets, your buggies, and the crooks wouldn't steal stuff. We're all paying for that. Well, in the case of healthcare, it's quite similar. Folks who are receiving services and don't have insurance, don't have a method to reimburse for those services, either directly out of their pocket or through third-party insurance carriers, it's just a cost that the hospital absorbs, the provider absorbs, and has to make ends meet somehow and passes it on to the people who pay or have a means to pay. So this individual said, you know, Walmart is the largest employer in Mississippi. I did a little research on that. It does turn out, in terms of the aggregate number of employees working in the Walmart organization, their stores, distribution facilities in Mississippi, turns out they're they're number one. That's probably the case in other rural states as well because that's such a staple in the economy. And he said, this person said, you know, if they would just raise the price of a gallon of milk by a quarter, they could provide health insurance through their group plan to all their employees. So what is being referred to there is that an employer of that size under federal law is not required to, to provide coverage, affordable coverage is the way it's defined in the law, to part-time employees, only full-time employees. So they don't have to do that. And a lot of their staff Part time. They don't need them. And in fact, they can't work full time. They usually maybe work elsewhere. Some of them just want to be part time employees.
2: It's not like that's anything new. You had a ton of full time workers right. that had to go part time or just under full
1: time after Obamacare because the companies couldn't afford their insurance. Totally true. So I happen to do the math on that proposal. I'm not going to share it with you now. I'm going to get it when we come back with JT Mitchell before we kick off our interview with him. It won't take but a second to explain the math to you. This person is dead wrong. No surprise there. It's time for Super Talk News, Fox News. Once again, JT Mitchell, the news director. It's Super Talk Mississippi News up next. No. Welcome back, everyone. Midday Super Talk, Mississippi. We are back in the Element Wealth Studios. Before we get talking to our news director here at Super Talk, Mississippi News, JT Mitchell, I, I just wanted to share with you guys the rest of this story on this Walmart 25 cents added to a gallon of milk. Turns out Walmart sells about 30 million gallons a day. I couldn't tell if that was worldwide or, or just in the nation. I, I looked, couldn't find it. But let's just assume that's all sold in this country. Well first, the flaw in that proposal always is that you will continue to sell the exact same number, even though you've raised the price, which is likely to be now higher than the price found elsewhere. So that, that's a, a, a bit um, optimistic. Well, when you do the math and I did it, it turns out that would generate, assuming everything is the same, about 4400 bucks a year. Well, $4,400 a year, folks, if you've been shopping for health insurance or you're paying for it now, you know that won't come close to covering the price of private coverage for an individual. So that's really a bad model, and plus, of course, you're just saying, "Yeah, just raise the price on this and sign everybody up." They don't; it doesn't take into account the myriad of other issues you got when you start putting part-time people on group coverage and all that sort of stuff. Anyhow, I just wanted to just go through the, and I responded with that information, and I got no response back, as you can imagine. So, J.T. Mitchell, tell us about the big headlines. From uh, the Magnolia State this well, week.
4: Speaking of dairy products, egg <laughs> prices will not be going down anytime oh, soon. Yeah. Uh USDA, Mike McCormick, Farm Bureau, who was on with you the other day, yep. have all confirmed that it's probably going to be a while. Right now in the state, we're hovering between $6 to $8 per dozen That's on average.
1: nuts. You've seen these third parties that now will come in and set up. Your own
4: little egg-laying operation at your house. And, you know, chickens, you you get about an egg a day per chicken, right? So it might be cheaper. You never know. Um, A couple years ago, I was getting a dozen for 98 cents. But here we are. You know, I may have to stop cooking eggs for the time being. But, yeah, there's a lot going on, especially under the dome um, here in Jackson. Yep. So we're finally seeing some bills start to come out of their respective chambers. We... Made it through that first two-week initial period. Everything was getting introduced, kind of honeymooning. Um, but now a lot of bills are making it through. So we'll start with some big ones. Um, and I don't, I, I did not catch the first hour of the show, so I don't know what all you guys have covered. However, we'll start with one that came from yesterday, and that is prohibiting transgender youth in Mississippi from receiving hormone treatment or therapy. Yep. So if you're under 18. That's passed the House, still has to go to the Senate and to the governor. But if you're under 18, that would put away – it would limit, I guess, that um, the transgender health access yep. in Mississippi. And Mississippi is one of 24 states talking about something similar to that. Um, and this comes in 2021 after it was banned in Mississippi for – trans youth to compete in women's sports. That's last year we passed that, right? Uh yeah. Yeah, would have no it would have been signed in twenty one, so twenty one okay. session, just I'll a couple lose, years ago.
1: Lose a little track of the sessions here.
4: So that was a big <laughs> one that came from yesterday. A big one that I know has piqued both you and my interest is this whole electric car deal. Yep. Um, so what we're looking at is it passed the house. Yeah, passed the house. And so what we're looking at is a bill that would ban the direct sale of all vehicles in Mississippi, but it's kind of pointed at electric cars because there's not it's mostly electric cars that do that they direct sale Tesla for instance, ten years ago or so when they started all this they said you know instead of getting a bunch of individual franchises, how about we just open a store, you know, kind of like Apple does with iPhones, and we'll sell you our cars like that. But in the past, America's hinged on this model since the 30s or so, where no, we need to go through an individual retailer, Yeah. so I I have to have, uh, you know, I'll use a fake name, a Jim Jones Honda you know, and Jim Jones can sell Hondas. Essentially,
1: they're franchisees, Yeah, is what they are, that that are authorized and licensed by the franchisor. Those are the folks that make the vehicles to retail, sell their product.
4: Yeah, and Tesla said, why? I don't have to do that. And so Elon Musk said, you know what? We're going to try it this way. We'll open our own stores, sell our product like that. And when it happened, a lot of these um, legacy automobile makers like Ford and GM, they were skeptical but they didn't really do anything about it. Right. You know, they kept doing their thing. Yeah. And the rest of these EV manufacturers, they saw what Tesla was doing and they said, pretty good idea. We'll do that as well. And so it's growing and the, that EV footprint is growing rapidly, you know, we're Looking at maybe 10% of US sales this year being EVs.
1: Well, let's be honest. It's not, let's be clear, it's not just EVs because even those legacy manufacturers, they've got incredibly huge plans to start transitioning their entire fleet. Over to EVs, right? So they're going to be selling EVs mostly as well. Eventually, but it's
4: more of this direct sale model that EVs champion. It's about the
1: consumption model. And yeah.
4: so, in order to protect, you know, all of these individual franchises and all these legacy automobile makers that are behind the eight ball, yeah. essentially, uh, Bill has been introduced in Mississippi and passed the House that would say, "All right, no more direct sale." So, if Elon Musk, you want to open and test a dealership here, you have to. Get Jim Jones. To yeah, so even the manufacturer cannot set
1: up a physical outlet to sell their vehicles in
4: Mississippi. In fact, that is prohibited under this bill. Right. And under current law, you have to have a dealership license to sell a car in Mississippi, but it doesn't say that the manufacturer itself can get that license. That's how Tesla was able to get their dealership license. And but that's been accepted, Tesla. right, under right. this bill, this one outlet. Well, that's because, you know, it it's happened already, already. Yeah,
1: it's already here. And it, I
4: think that may have opened some eyes. I'm like, hey, you know, that could happen a lot more here.
1: Well, it's going to happen uh, certainly across the globe, honestly. The, and, and I think the reason we think so much of it in the context of affecting EVs is because those manufacturers who have announced their, their entry into the vehicle production and sales business Happen to be making EVs.
4: Yeah, they set Apple. the precedent. Yeah, they set the precedent. Um, and like you and I discussed, it's this route to market strategy is not new overall. It's new to the car industry, and it's been implemented everywhere else in our lives. Go to Best Buy, you know, uh, buy an Apple from an Apple store. It's been implemented everywhere, right? Uh, but now it's new in the car industry, and it's a threat to something that the country's hinged on since the '30s and to protect all these, a threat to all these individual franchises, so Mississippi wants to put a stop to it.
1: Yeah, it just seems to me like it's a little interference in the free market here, and and it's really somewhat, uh, could be described as somewhat as central planning on the part of the government on what the best route to market and and what the best means of selling a vehicle is in the state of Mississippi. Yeah, and
4: it does seem a tad ironic that we're a free market state, or at least we say that, and here we are kind of infringing upon that. Um, but it I mean, man. And Overwhelmingly this, and, and this, passed in the Yeah, House. this wasn't like a bunch of Republicans saying, oh, to hell with EVs. <laughs> this passed by 104 to 7. Six of the seven nays were Republicans. Yeah. So all Democrats voted for this as well. Really surprising, honestly. This is delaying the inevitable. And it was not... I mean, I don't, I'm not there behind closed doors, but when I watched the floor when this was being presented, it was a quick, quick, quick vote. Hmm. It was just like, explain, like, you know, we're going to keep it like it's always been. Here it is. So. so
1: if I'm a manufacturer and I come up with an idea that uh, ends up being an electric vehicle and I want to sell that directly to a consumer, to a buyer in Mississippi, I'm not able to do that if Correct. this law passes.
4: You have to get Jim Jones to do it for you. Go to another state. Why would I come to Mississippi? Right. I mean, it it is going to put Mississippi behind the eight ball economically. Um, but at the same time, it would save uh, Ford's, GM's, and everybody else from having to adapt and thrive. You know, you can keep doing it the same way you always did. Yeah, here at least
1: and we're not talking about adapting and transitioning to EVs we're talking about transition transitioning to a more prefer new preferred just how route you sell to market. yeah
4: yeah just how you sell the cars yeah um so that that's gonna be a big one and we'll see if it passes the Senate and then if it does pass the Senate um you know governor Tate Reeves he championed this big economic project that we called a special session for this uh hmm. we'll see if he signs it yep all right. Something else that has passed its respective chamber is the decriminalization of fentanyl testing strips. Um, that would be that's a you've had some interviews on here. That would allow people to test drugs before using them, even on a recreational basis. That way, they don't die if it's laced. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of stuff going on. You right want to now. stay around, and talk yeah, some more? I can yeah, say for a We got J.T.
1: Mitchell, Super Mississippi News Director, in the Element Well Studios, coming back.
0: Keeps Mississippi talking. we rolling. Hit it. Go. Play it. Midday's with Gerard Gibbert on Super Talk Mississippi. <laughs>
1: Little Woodstock. And them, me, Joni Mitchell, the composer of the lyrics, of course, set to music in this particular version by Crosby, Stills, and Nash. Appreciate that, Rhino. That's a great tune. One of my favorite tunes. The Bomber Jet Planes. <laughs> JT Mitchell, Super Top Mississippi News Director. All right, so we, we were just going through this this uh, vehicle bill again, just wanted to make sure. Now, I had the Tesla Owners Association president for Mississippi Chapter on yesterday and went through that rundown for him, and and he confirmed our understanding of it is correct, that a, a corporation that manufactures automobiles cannot sell those automobiles through a corporate-owned store in the state of Mississippi. They would have to sell them through a third party, a franchise E, if you will. That's the way I understood it. That's the way I described it. And he agreed. So, the one outlet we have in Mississippi that is owned by Tesla, which is, is currently in Rankin County, is accepted from this, is what he said and what I suggested. And he, he confirmed, I should say. So that's how it's grandfathered.
4: It's so it's with. kind of like the state telling Apple that you have to sell phones in Mississippi through AT&T.
1: No, it would be, yeah, that's right, through through a carrier, through a third party. You
4: couldn't sell them through the Apple you store. You have to close down the Apple store, Renaissance, and sell through AT&T only. Correct. Essentially. That's what they're saying. Except in cars.
1: Yeah. So it. I don't know how that would be any different than barring Amazon from selling all that they do here in the state of Mississippi. I just bought a, uh, a receiver from my house. I'm upgrading a receiver in one of my rooms from Denon. You guys know who they are? I like them. I like Marantz. I like Yamaha. But they have one on sale, a particular model that I like. And I first talked to my AV installer about it, and he said, I can't get it at that price. He's competing with his manufacturer partner. And he said, just buy it from them, and I'll install it for you. So I, I did. So I bought direct from the manufacturer. There's not whole, a whole lot anymore in, the, in this country you can't buy direct anymore from the manufacturer because it's so easy to sell it right through electronic means. And so these car manufacturers, they're just adopting that same model. They're implementing that model. It's kind of hard to turn the big ship around that's been in place for decades that was implemented by the the legacy manufacturers before we had all this technology. You, You couldn't do that. You couldn't just go online and press some buttons on your phone and a car show up at your door. You couldn't do that until not so long ago. So this is going to become a more common approach to buying a myriad of goods. We're already doing it and it's just growing by orders of magnitude even more so I think the state's trying to prohibit something that is inevitable, going downhill like a freight train, and that freight train's loaded with disruption, and it applies to this industry. They are no exception.
4: And you don't see a ton of um, EV dealerships in the southeastern part of well, the not U.S. Yet. Not yet. This would put the state behind the eight ball, theoretically, uh, if you were to keep push this bill forward well, consider, in terms of getting those. Well, let's consider this. Rhino, you as well. You
1: drive by the dealerships around the landscape in the metro area. There ain't no cars on the lots. Pretty empty, right? Oh, since, yeah. Since COVID. Because during COVID, everybody said, I'm not buying a car. And then you had all the supply chain issues. So now the car manufacturers and dealers have figured out, hey, this model works pretty good. We don't have to spend all our money and consume all of our capital and do all this flooring is what it's called and have every possible option color of every vehicle model on the lot so somebody can walk off with it today. Now you just tell me what you want and we'll plug it into the machine here and it'll show up in a few weeks. More and more people, if not the majority is what the industry is reporting, are purchasing their vehicle through that approach. You guys agree? You've heard that anecdotally from your friends, yourself and so forth. So then that even calls more into question, does it not, the value of the physical dealer. Uh, just come here and we'll plug it into the computer and they'll ship it to you. In the old days, you went there, you test drove, you knocked on them, you kicked the tires. I think I like this color versus that color. And then you you did all your F&I stuff and you walked out and you drove it off the lot that day and everybody's happy and they give you some gas and stuff. But now you can go online and configure these things and get them to look exactly like you want and hit a button and it could show up. And even the legacy manufacturers have, have built out those tools. You just have to, to do it through a dealer. And if you say, hey, can you show me where this is available? You'll get, they're not available anywhere <laughs> in, in my region. You got to order this. Because it's more efficient for them to do that. It's, it's a, they're applying the old just in time inventory concept to retail sale of vehicles. It's going to be more and more. It's inevitable.
4: Sorry. No, you're good. I'm interested to see as this continues to get fleshed out what the Senate's vote will look like. Agree. Um, I'm honestly curious if it was fully fleshed out before the House voted on it. That's a large vote 106 to 7. I was shocked as well, and we'll see what happens over in the Senate. But there's still a lot more going on outside of this EV thing. Yeah, please. Um, Let's move over to hospitals. Yeah, that's been a huge topic of conversation going into the session and continues to be. As right now, we have, I believe, 39 hospitals um, in danger of closing their doors, according to the Department of Health. And earlier this week, um, Lieutenant Governor Hoseman presented his plan, which seems to be the overarching Republican plan for hospitals, which is five bills. Including and included in it is eighty million for in lifeline money you know hospitals can apply for those grants not have to pay them back it would also uh, install a nurse loan repayment program everybody says we don't have nurses shortage of nurses well this if you agree to work at a mississippi hospital you'll get up to eighteen grand of your schooling paid for over three years that's right over three years yes um, some money for the community colleges to really fill out their programs, get things rolling on all cylinders. Um, what else did it have in it? It had a... Uh, There's this consolidation, consolidation. bill,
1: twenty-three, twenty-three. Joey Philly game over on the Senate side, and that's been uh, met with some criticism from the Freedom Caucus over on the House side. Uh, I actually had a conversation this morning before I came in. I was in the parking lot still talking to a, uh, to a friend who's just say fairly high up in the uh in the healthcare industry in the state of Mississippi and uh I asked them about that particular legislation and they're still looking at it. This is a private. He represents mm-hmm. private uh hospitals. And they're looking at it and they um with a lot of interest to are, see what
4: that means. Are they on board with the plan as a whole?
1: You know, I got to I got to be honest with you. I think at this point the <laughs> the private hospitals aren't too crazy about going out and making a run for these hospitals that are failing, because it's it's a pretty tall order to turn those ships around. It might not even be possible. So those assets aren't worth what they were, and that, that business model, that strategy isn't as viable
4: as it was uh, just a short few years ago, so we'll see where that lands. And noticeably absent was the expansion of Medicaid.
1: Yeah, from the bills that were offered, the expansion of Medicaid was was not included.
4: That's right. Yes, and uh, I think it was Senator Hobson said probably shouldn't expect that to happen. Yeah, I think that's right. I don't think there's any appetite for that. But something will go through, whether it's these five bills or a number of these five bills. Something has to go through, uh, or else these hospitals will close down. That's right. Um,
1: and they all, I think, the source of funding for these programs, as I recall is all uh, pointing to the American Rescue Plan. You seen that as well? Well, Yeah. Well,
4: there's a lot of money
1: Yeah. I mean, so, you know, we got 8% inflation. Well, the reason we got 8% inflation is because we dropped all this money out of helicopters across the dang country, and the state of Mississippi received $1.8 billion at the state level. Well, that's great. We're spending it all now on all this stuff. Well, the price you pay for that is $9.00x.
4: Right. (laughs) <laughs> and, I, I mean, we went into the session with how much in ARPA money? 300? 300 million yeah. Yeah,
1: remaining that remaining. hadn't been allocated yet. Yeah. So, I mean, it's almost like everything you hear is, yeah, we're funding that with ARPA money. Well, heck, what would we do without ARPA money? Without printing money, essentially? how would How would we function as a state? without the federal government printing all this money, but yet we sit here and say, we can't expand Medicaid, we can't take any more money from the federal government. What the hell do you think that $1.8 billion was you took?
4: So there's a lot going on. There's a whole <laughs> lot more going on outside of just at the Capitol. All that news at supertalk.fm. Appreciate it, JT. Thanks for coming in, man. We're
1: coming right back on Midday. Stay with us.
0: Everybody ready? I'm ready. Ready here. Middays with Gerard Gibbet on Super Talk Mississippi.
1: back everyone. Midday, Super Talk Mississippi. Scott from SoSo on the C Spire Tax Line. Great point. So someone buying a car from, say, Carvana online would be banned. It only applies to new vehicles doesn't apply to used vehicles. I don't think Carvana and Vroom sell new vehicles. I don't think they're authorized to do so. I don't think the manufacturers... Well, even if they do, they're not
2: the manufacturer. They would be a third party.
1: Well, but you still have to sell those through a physical outlet. And those those organizations, they're not in that business. They're in the business of selling you direct, through the model that I was just describing. You go to your phone, pick a vehicle out. That's the whole idea. Doesn't Carvana have the... The gigantic car vending machine, though, where you can go pick them up? They do. I mean, it's another one of their routes to market. But in general, the the essence of the service is you go to your your digital device and find a vehicle, pick it out, and it shows up. Pay for it, and it shows up. Uh, no, no surprise that, again... This is a situation where innovators are leveraging tools created by other innovators to produce whole new products and services. That's all Jeff Bezos did at Amazon, as an example. That's all Elon Musk did. If you think about the the commonly known inventors of our day, Musk certainly tops that list, I I would say. And so all of these innovators are, are, are just... Super unusual, freaky people from from an intellectual perspective, very creative, very innovative, and they seize upon the power of tools created by others to build new products and services. I have often argued that that's really what's more responsible for the so-called wealth gap. Because these are special people, special in that we all don't have the kind of innovative capability, an inventive capability that an Elon Musk does, or a Steve Jobs, or a Jeff Bezos. You go down the list of other people that dream up these new products and services that Carvana and Vroom, as an example. Who would have thought about that? Yeah, we're going to start selling cars online. <laughs> You just go here and enter some click here, click there, and hit a button, and boom, shows up. Somebody figured that out. I mean, these are just tiny examples of a myriad of, of uh, other examples where innovators leverage these tools. And you know what happens and it drives the left crazy? They get rich at it, because society says, yeah, I like that. I think I'm going to part with some of my money for that. That's what happens. And then the left says, wealth inequality, it's unfair. Why? Because they leverage tools to create something that people like? That's the essence of capitalism. You get wealthy by serving others. That's what they don't get. They really don't get it. Oh, we can't let you do that. Don't serve others. we got to equal the playing field in the name of equity. So please don't invent anything that, I don't know, might cure cancer, for example. And that's, that's always kind of the, the go-to, right, when you think about something truly innovative that would turn the world upside down. But, and and there's, there's twinkles in the eyes right now of innovators that we don't even know about, that the rest of the world, we can't even envision it always has been the case. The difference now is because the tools are so powerful, so readily available, so affordable, that the cycle time between concept to production has shrunk dramatically. That's a good thing. Even You've you've probably seen reports about this, Rhino, even in vehicles. 20, 30 years ago, They said that the cycle time from a concept of a new vehicle to production, five years. Now it's less than a year. Why can they do that? Because of all the tools they have at their disposal. And and back in the uh, 70s, the early sort of days of the build-out of the automobile industry, 60s, 70s, it was like 10 years. That's why they didn't change a whole lot. But think about today how radically these things change. It's incredible, and that's all a function of inventions of others that this industry happens to be leveraging. We had Mike McCormick in here the other day talking about how this has benefited the agricultural industry tremendously. It's, you, you, can't even, you can't quantify it, honestly. Well, that's, that's all a function of society advancing, but that's done by the private sector. That's done by innovators. And that's why anytime someone dismisses the idea of electric vehicles or autonomous vehicles, today, in their present state, to be widely used, I totally agree. Is the government forcing on this on us too fast? Absolutely. They need to stay out. But they're inventors and innovators and smart people that right now are dreaming up ways to address all the objections that, that are, are presently making these vehicles not quite ready for prime time, not suitable for the masses. But they'll figure it out. What were you saying the other day when the automobile was first came onto the scene that the livery stables and the folks who rode horses and were in the horse delivery business objected. You can't do that, right? Oh, yeah. Why would, you have, why would you buy
2: a horseless carriage and have to carry fuel with you everywhere when the horse can graze wherever you can find grass?
1: Did somebody figure out a way to solve that problem? It seems like that problem's <laughs> been solved between then and now. Same deal here. Just have faith in people. I, my faith is in human innovation. The other day we shared the story about this, this company in Iceland that's just piloted and got certification for these machines that strip the carbon out of the air, filter the carbon out of open air, and, and push it back into the ground, so much so that in the Iceland's cap-and trade system, folks like. Google and Microsoft that operate these giant data centers over there that are having to rely on traditional grid-based electric power are buying credits from them to stay under their cap and trade their cap, their limit.
2: Which is hilarious to me because now that they've developed a technology that would allow them to basically create these carbon credits out of thin air, the loony left and the greenies and all the, the activists for the climate are saying, well, you know climate credits are just a scam.
1: <laughs> They're the ones that invented it. Right. <laughs> it doesn't really matter. What matters is, it, is the technology functional? Is it producing as advertised? The Iceland government seems to think so. Scientists that have reviewed it and peer, peer vetted it seem to think so. The concept's not crazy. It's been worked on for a long time. They've just had some recent breakthroughs. You know why? Because somebody created some tools that allowed them to, to break through and I mean, solve this problem. Going back to your
2: example of car design and how the cycle has shrunk, one reason the cycle has shrunk, because they still use the clay model when, when fabricating the form of a car that's still a very popular tool used by a lot of auto manufacturers where they build the full-size clay model with a foam instru- like, it, it's what you saw in the commercials where they've got that big chunk of clay and they're carving it out to make it look sleek and aerodynamic well previously when the designer would finish the clay model it then had to be taken apart into pieces measured with very precise instruments, all that written down, input into a CNC machine, or even earlier than that, had to be manufactured using those numbers. Now, when they're done with the clay model, they just spin around it with a scanner, and boom, it's in the CAD
1: software. Boom, it's digitized. You can plug it into anything. And that digital footprint then is downloaded to all the factory machinery that produces
2: it cutting back on the manpower, the man hours, the, the work in
1: general needed. It's unbelievable. So that's a good thing. That's, these, are, these are positive developments and benefits for society. And I watch these fools at the World Economic Forum these arrogant, pompous elitists over there, John Kerry and Klaus Schwab, or whatever the hell his name is. And and the key message is, you got to do with less. Less, 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 less. That's all you hear. All you hear is less, less, redistribute, equity. Never do you hear, you know what, if we just get out of the way here and unleash the animal spirits built into humans, God made us that way. Let them invent. Let them leverage their skills to solve these problems so we can all have more and improve and have not less, more. That's what we should be seeking, not you just got to do with less. You just can't eat meat. You can't drive your car. You can't have gas stoves. Your thermostat's got to be on 90 in summer and 40 in the winter. Less, less, less. That's backwards. But that's how they think. It's absolutely how they think. Coming right back. Stay with us.
0: It's so awesome! Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Mm. Come on! Let's get on with the show! On Super Talk, Mississippi.
1: Welcome back everyone. We are in the Element Well Studios here on middays on this. Friday, y'all. Okay, I know. I gotta calm down. I get a little fired up. It it's just stuff seems so painfully obvious. And that's what frustrates me. It's like, don't you get this? How do you think we got here? We got here because of human innovation. That's that's It's what powers our lives. That's what advances society. And everything you talk about is counter to that, impedes it. Think about our federal government. You never hear anything coming out of the White House or the Democrats that would boost supply. No pro-growth, no pro-supply policies. It's always about, how do we move it out of this bucket and put it in that bucket in the name of equity? That's all they can think about. I caught this interview yesterday. <laughs> Rhino, this guy, let me make sure I get his his name correct. I, I, I vaguely remember him from when he served in the administration with uh, Clinton, Presidents Clinton and Obama, he was the director, I want to get it right, the director of the National Economic Council and assistant to the President for economic policy under Presidents Clinton and Obama. And I caught an interview with him, and I was getting furious watching this interview because everything he said was just, I'm just going to say, incorrect. I'm going to be respectful. And he started out, the question was, you know, we got this sticky inflation, we got these high interest rates, we keep running up these deficits and this debt with no end in sight, those policies, of course, contributing to our high inflation, necessitating these higher interest rates, at least driving the Fed to increase interest rates, making houses now. Out of reach for a lot of Americans. Real wages, not keeping up. Real wages, folks, that's, the, that's your actual wages, including any increase you, ha- you receive in your pay, less the impact of inflation. So real wages says, okay, if inflation's 5%, and I got a, a raise of 10%, I'm to the good 5%. But if I got a 5% raise and inflation's 8%, I'm down 3%. That's real wages. So wage growth that the President likes to brag about, that's really not a valid point without discussing it in the context of real wages, not nominal wages. So this former director of the National Economic Council, he immediately starts defending Biden. He cut the deficit! And I'm thinking, once again, will somebody be honest? You, you signed up to spend $1.9 trillion in a year, known as the American Rescue Plan. You just didn't happen to do that the next year, and then you bragged about cutting the deficit. Again, I say, that's like digging a hole and then filling it back up and bragging about, it. look, I filled the hole up. Well, you dug it the first time. And then he goes on this rant again about the Trump tax cuts. I'm so sick of that. It was $2 trillion, and he tried to present the angle that the Trump tax cuts, which he says cut revenues by $2 trillion, were all absorbed in a year, contributing to the deficit. Not being honest, no, first it wasn't $2 trillion. the CBO estimated 1.5, not 2, they keep saying 2, the, the, the original documents, the original estimates from the CBO, 1.5, and that's over 10 years. Not one. It's $150 billion a year. But the fact is, revenues are up. What they projected didn't come to pass, and the reason is they don't employ, we've talked about it on the program before, dynamic scoring. They just look at it as, okay, everything stays the same, which things don't, and you put these tax these new tax rates into place, this is how that would affect revenue. And then what happens is COVID hits. Okay, all those estimates are now invalid. And then we start dropping money out of helicopters, and people go spend it, and companies have their best years ever, and the stock market goes through the roof, and taxes, as a result, rise dramatically. Oh, but there's a cost to pay for that. It's 8% inflation and 6% mortgage rates. They just don't tell the whole dang story. There's zero interest. The question was what do you think about hitting the debt limit to this Gene Sperling, by the way, is his name. What do you think about hitting the debt limit and the Republicans insisting that we've got to cut spending? Oh no, we can't do that. You know, we've got a statutory debt limit and it's just been it's been increased seventy eight times, you know, historically we gotta do it again. No interest whatsoever in cutting spending. Zero perish that thought. Think about cutting spending. If it's the Trump tax If you your toe case. 78 times on the coffee table, you'd move it. That's basically was his justification for repeating that same dang mistake. Mm. From the graduate, Billy Paul, coming right back on Midday. Stay with us. Welcome back to hour three of midday Super Talk Mississippi. We are live in the Element Well studios on this Friday, y'all. And we're getting fired up today, man. Don't forget that it's in a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar today, and he's got an interview with a former NFL star and pastor, Corey Miller. In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, is presented by VisitMississippi.org. You can hear the show each Thursday and Friday, 1 to 2 p.m. on most of Supertalk Mississippi stations, Supertalk.fm, and available everywhere you listen to podcasts. So, we've been getting fired up here. It's just so obvious. Get out of the way, government. Folks will figure it out. The only fair arbiter, the only pure arbiter of price, the only fair arbiter, pure arbiter of wages is the market. Any attempt by the government to dictate that always fails, always fails. I'm seeing that numerous states are talking about (coughs) raising the minimum wage. I think there are bills in Mississippi to increase the minimum wage. Once again, suggesting that even in a tight labor market, who the heck's paying minimum wage? Not many. Not many. We've looked up the statistics before. I think folks are surprised to find out just how few people in this country are paid the federal minimum wage. Because in a, a good number of states, there is a state minimum wage that overrides the federal minimum wage. Mississippi's not one of them. We still adhere to the federal minimum wage. What is it? $7.25, I think, at this point? But the market will sort this out. It is right now. Who the heck can hire anybody for minimum wage? The labor market is so tight And this has got investors all bummed out because they're looking for the Fed to pivot with interest rates, and the Fed keeps looking for unemployment to tick up and more job losses. And that's just not happening at the rate expected upon the interest rate increases, though it's Google that announced 10,000, I believe. Microsoft. No, I think Google did today. Oh, I didn't think that. Yeah, so, yeah, Microsoft 10,000. Google in fact I just saw on the screen here in the studio the official statement from the Google CEO essentially apologizing and taking responsibility. I I will say I respect that. He came out and made a statement. Oh wow, it's 12,000 from Okay, 12,000. So this week we've heard 10,000 from Microsoft, 12,000 from Google not so long ago, last couple of weeks salesforce.com, we've heard them Announced layoffs as well. Do you happen to see the official statement there from the Google CEO in that report you're looking at?
2: Yeah, it looks like it's an email he sent out. It says, Googlers, I have some difficult news to share. We've decided to reduce our workforce by approximately 12,000 roles. We've already sent a separate email to employees in the U.S. who are affected. In other countries, this process will take longer due to local laws and practices. This, means, this will mean saying goodbye to some incredibly talented people we worked hard to hire and have loved working with. I'm deeply sorry for that.
1: Yeah. Uh, man, nothing easy about that. that. That is for sure. And likely these folks they will they'll land elsewhere. But it's still difficult. It's disruptive. You know that. It's unexpected. So it's a, it's a problem, and I think we're going to continue to see more jobs being shed because all indications are a slowdown in economic activity, just really across the board. And as, as that occurs, of course, revenues plummet, and uh, you've got to do something about the lack of revenue from a cost perspective just to make ends meet. Sometimes just to remain profitable, just time. Sometimes just to to uh, maintain a level of profitability. If you're a public company that works, so it's just all part of managing a company. Th- those are the the tough decisions you have to make. Of course, the left just thinks you just wake up every day and money's just in the bank. You don't have to deal with these difficult situations. That it, you just have this this permanent streak of profitability. No idea. Now sometimes. Things go awry economically, and you got to make tough decisions, and it it becomes even a challenge just to stay in the black, just to maintain a profit. Uh, Speaking of the car situation, I think I read where Carvana is losing money. right? So they're out taking risk, built this new model, direct sales, but folks aren't buying cars the way they were. One of the main reasons for that is the financing costs is higher as a result of interest rate increases. So-called chattel mortgages, which are essentially loans for assets like uh, automobiles. On the C Spire text line, Donnie from Pike County says, Gerard, I pay for half of my family insurance coverage and it costs me $10,000 a year and that's just my part. Yeah, And this was with respect to the uh, the discussion I was sharing that I I engaged in with someone on the left that said, yeah, Walmart could just raise, raise the price of milk by a quarter a gallon and buy insurance for everybody. <laughs> just no consideration to what raising the price of milk a quarter a gallon, what that truly does mean, and the downstream impact of that. Just everything st- That's the way they think about everything. Everything stays the same, except now Walmart's got a quarter more per gallon in their pocket to buy insurance with. No regard whatsoever about how that might affect the sale of milk, or whether or not when you do the math, that's got to be some popular talking point in the left circles. Don't you think that's gotta where be. this person got it from? They didn't come up with that on their own. That's some populist, leftist <laughs> assertion there. Walmart, just raise the price. <laughs> they just make it sound so easy. Oh, yeah, just raise the price a quarter. Gosh, incredible. I hear you, Donnie. The, uh, health insurance is uh, is very expensive, no doubt about it. And uh, those who obtain their coverage through their employer, so uh, what's known as group coverage, or definitely have a bit of an advantage there two reasons. One is usually the employer is picking up part of the tab the cost of premiums, because by law for employers with more than 50 employees they've got to offer what's called affordable coverage and that is calculated as a percentage of household income that the premium, that the employee share of premiums cannot exceed Last I looked at that, I think that's in the 9% range. I think the American Rescue Plan, and then most recently the Inflation Reduction Act that made those provisions permanent, reduced that threshold. It might even be 8.5%. It used to be 96 but it. But nonetheless, you get the point there, is that the employer has to offer that. And if they don't, then they have to pay a penalty. I don't know that a lot of folks realize that. And they also can, if requested by the employee, release the employee to go purchase coverage in the exchanges, subsidized coverage. That's all part of the Affordable Care Act. That's part of the plan. I hear you, Donnie. Moe says, forcing one to provide services without compensation is slavery. Uh, You're absolutely right, Moe, and it's uh, certainly a point that I try to bring up every time you hear the left say, health care is a human right! No, health care is the work product of other humans. You don't have the right to someone else's work product. That's what they're saying. No. There's a distinction between that and unalienable rights that are granted by our Creator. That's not the same. That is not the work product of others. That's a complete ruse. In an inappropriate way... I believe, to, to promote the, I, the idea of universal coverage. It's a right! Oh, we're reminded about Marrakesh Express, which was also on the Crosby, Stills, and Nash album that I think is just named Crosby, Stills, and Nash. I'm not mistaken. That's the one that had Sweet Judy Blue's blue eyes on it. i tell you a tune I'd like you to play, if we can get to it, that's it, on that album is Wooden Ships. I've read the lyrics before, I have no idea what they're talking about, but it's a pretty cool song, <laughs> if you can find it, Rhino. <laughs> we're going to step aside for a break right here on Middays, we're in the Element Well Studios, coming right back.
4: hypothetical, working of something that I'm proud of, out of the box, and epoxy to the world, and the vision we've lost, them in the I'm just a symbol to remind you that there's more to see. I'm just a product of the system of catastrophe, and yet a masterpiece. And yet, I'm half deceased. And when I am deceased, at least I go down to the grave and die I have to leave the body of my soul
0: to be a part of it. Now, back to Middays with Gerard here on Super Talk, Mississippi.
1: what they're talking about there. My wife always said, I like the song, and I'll play it. Sometimes I'll sing along with it, you know, and Julie always says, why do you listen to that drug-induced stuff? (laughs) She's probably right, too. Like, what are they talking about? (laughs) Oh, gosh. Oh, well. Hakeem Jeffries, you know who he is, right? He was uh, the Democrats' Candidate for Speaker of the House. And he knows his ABCs. <laughs> That's right. We played the, the clip of him <laughs> right after McCarthy was elected. He went through the ABCs and pretty much blasted the right and touted the left. He says, Social Security is not negotiable. <laughs> he just tweeted that. But i got to tell you about old Robert Reich's rush he to say, <laughs> Robert Reich is a he's a miserable human, let's be honest. He is insanely jealous and envious. I really do believe that. And I follow him on Twitter because it's it's a constant barrage of leftist rhetoric that really attacks capitalism, attacks wealth creation, attacks everything I believe in, which is low taxes, low regulation, free markets, limited government. He just berates any idea consistent with that. He said this a couple of days ago, I'm sick and tired of hearing this lie peddled by the GOP and corporate media. Raising the debt ceiling does not increase spending or the federal debt. It simply allows the government to pay bills it has already taken on and defaulting on the debt would be catastrophic. So I responded to old Robert, it ain't about that. It's about having an adult conversation about the reckless spending. Nobody said they're in favor of defaulting on the U.S.'s obligations. But what they have said, this effort being led by the republican controlled house and leader mccarthy or speaker mccarthy pardon me is that guys we just can't get into signing off on this debt ceiling yeah we need we we understand we got to get there but we got to talk about reigning and spending but when you got this guy like gene spurling who was a pretty high up economic advisor to clinton and obama who himself won't be honest about it it's the trump tax cuts It won't tell the truth about that. That just drives me crazy. And you hear it from the left constantly. Trump tax cuts, Trump tax cuts, Trump tax cuts. As if every dollar you earn belongs to them first. And if they let you keep some, well, that's just out of their benevolence. The government's feeling benevolent and generous here. You can keep some of what you earned. That's upside down. That's twisted logic. Without a doubt, Darren and Jackson says, Why stop there? Allow mothers to have an abortion up to one year after delivery. I hear you, Darren. Do you realize, folks, that a bill was passed in the House last week that uh, got no, or I should say 200 Democrats voted against, some voted for. But this bill would require medical care... For babies born alive after a botched abortion. 210 voted against that. Nope, babies just got to die. That's just evil. Oh, but white males, they're the evil, wicked aspects of society. That's just flat out evil. 210, they said that bill would interfere with a family's medical decisions. Well, how's that different than somebody with a gun pointed to my head, wanting to kill me, And and they would say, Hey, police officer, you can't stop that. You might interfere with the decision of that perpetrator, that murderer, to commit homicide. How's that different? I fail to see the distinction. Truly. That's just unbelievable. By the way, not only did the Texas A&M Medical School pull down the photos of all the white people, all the white males, alumni there, they also have implemented policies in their admissions. They call it holistic admissions. They always put... (laughs) <laughs> these, these noble, uh, kind of positive-sounding names. I mean, that, that sounds so feel-goody, right? It's holistic. It requires diversity training for search committees and reviews salaries for diversity. Good grief. A faculty member of color said the school communicates too much to students about formal policies related to diversity, <laughs> inclusion, and equity. <laughs> Golly. 600 students at Texas A&M College of Medicine, ranked number 80 for research out of 192 medical schools in 2023. Knowledge is power, and the primary purpose of tertiary educational institution is to uplift humanity through the continuous advancement of the power of knowledge, according to the college's DEI statement. Giving that knowledge comes from diverse sources and experiences. Diversity is the, I don't know what this means, it's Latin, I assume, is the sine qua non of excellence. No, it's not. Excellence is excellence. It doesn't have diversity attached to it. True excellence is blind to the physical traits of an individual engaged in producing excellence. Anything outside of that, honestly, is discrimination, is racist. This this total, deliberate transition away from a meritocracy in this country, I think is the number one challenge of our time, because it is, a, it is affecting every corner of society. This quest, which honestly is a, a pursuit of something that's unachievable, of equity, is, is just misguided, because we're not all created. The same with respect to capabilities and skills and drive. It just, I'm sorry, it's just not like that. Talent. Doesn't matter how much
2: I work out or train, I will never be as fast as Usain Bolt on land or
1: Lochte in the water. Yeah, I've said it before. I can't hit a golf ball like the guys you see on the weekend, no matter how much I work at it. But. I can find something else in society that suits me, that is achievable. We just want you to have that opportunity. But that's not what they want. They want equal outcomes. They want me to be able to drive it like Tiger Woods. It ain't going to happen. Cut an arm off. That's what you want to do. Cut Tiger's arm off so that I could compete with him. That would be equitable. It's never about lifting up others. It's always about tearing down. Those who have succeeded, and achieved that level—just unbelievable. I don't know about Lisa Marie Presley. Somebody asked. Was buried at Graceland. Was was she? Yes, she was laid to
2: rest at Graceland in the um, in the little garden there, the meditation garden. With uh, I believe she was laid to rest alongside her late son Benjamin. Okay in a private ceremony. They're going to have a public memorial in the coming days, but it was a private ceremony for only family and friends.
1: Totally shocked to find out that Gerard had sometimes disagreed with Crosby's political ideology. <laughs> Could produce large savings to the consumer, says Seth, by cutting out the middleman, and you're talking about the automobile uh, dealer situation, It could, but I still maintain that a lot of folks would still want that experience of dealing directly with a dealer. So, dealers, it is incumbent upon you to to determine and promote and sell your value proposition. Why should I pay you and do business with you? That's the essence of free markets. Tell me why you, I should do this transaction with you. Not because, oh, the government says you have to, that's why. No, that's not free markets. That's anything but. Stay with us, half an hour left on middays in the Element Well Studios.
0: You're listening to Middays with Gerard. Gerard Gibbert. Here on Super Talk, Mississippi.
1: I like it, man.
2: The one I had loaded wasn't working, so I had to back up a punt.
1: (laughs) It's a great tune. I have no idea what they're talking about. (laughs) Have some of my purple berries. What does that mean? (laughs) On the C Spire text line, Brandon from Corinth says It's a terrible idea to do that with the car industry because you are interfering with the free market. You're keeping people from buying how they want and keeping companies from having to adapt. So in the future, when this is the normal, companies that didn't keep up with the times are going to collapse because they're too far behind, they didn't grow. It's totally right. Uh, and I, I've witnessed this and experienced it in in my industry, which is probably, arguably, the most dynamic just because it changes so much. It's um, it, it, It's one that is still evolving still maturing but went through the same thing the we call it the route to market rtm route to market and in the early days i I know i said this yesterday but it bears repeating in the early days when our the primary product we sold and of course it was accompanied by our services were personal computers early days of personal computers 85 86 time frame early 90s and you know i always knew that you know, we're not going to be able to survive off this for too much longer. They're going to be selling these things in blister packs at Walmart for a thousand bucks, and they are, of course, today. And what happened is the uh, the systems got advanced and friendly enough so that you didn't need any help. You just buy them today. You you don't have to have a technical person get your PC, for example, or your laptop into a state that you can use it. Well, back in those days, that was a pretty involved process. It was just bare metal, as we used to call it. And you had to do a lot of work to get it ready to go, so you needed a third party, and you'd pay for that. Uh, we called it burn-in back in those days. And literally, you would you would plug it in and let it run diagnostics for at least 24 to 36 hours because it was known that most of these machines, if they were going to fail, it was going to happen within 36 hours of use. And so before it went out your building and you went and installed it at a customer location, let's vet out, flush out, I should say, any of those uh, problems today and get them repaired under warranty before we send the customer on their way we would call it burn in i had a room for that down the street in my old building then that evolved into to the term configuration we would configure but it, so things evolved we don't need that anymore so we had to find something else to do well that might be the case here you just can't rely on the status quo forever because it's a disruptive world. Innovators are out there dreaming up new routes to market, new products, new services. That's why there aren't radiator shops all over the place. We don't have those anymore. That's an example. We don't have TV repair stores. You don't need that. You just throw it away if it doesn't work. I remember when you'd have to buy those from a dealer, and they'd have to come to your house, and it'd take them several hours to get a color TV to work. i Totally remember that. And then if it broke, they come out with their suitcases full of tubes. Is it this one? No, is it that one? They keep putting tubes in (laughs) it. Well, that's all gone. So we don't need people doing that anymore. Okay. I'm also thinking that folks that make and install clothes lines to dry your clothes outside. Do they do that anymore? I don't think so. Maybe a few. Rarely. Yeah, that's pretty rare. I, mean, I think the the
2: highest populations or highest percentage of the population that still does that exists in large cities. Okay,
1: so there's a million examples.
2: Which seems a little ironic because they have less
1: space. I but. wonder why. That's weird. Just but that's like that.
2: that's really the only place you still see it in practice, in like you have the the clothesline between buildings and stuff.
1: I got another one for you. You'll know about this. Record stores. What happened to them? I get every dead gum piece of music ever made right here on this phone instantly. Don't need that anymore. You used to have to go through there, flip through the albums or the CDs when they came about or the tapes, bring them to the cash register, pay for them. That don't happen anymore.
0: We don't need if record stores. If you were lucky stores.
2: or it was a good record store, they'd let you take it out and listen to it before you bought it. <laughs> That's
1: absolutely true. Or if you were lucky enough, they already had one set up. Th- that's usually the case. They already had... If it was a popular, oh, yeah. at the time, album. If it's old one, well, I don't know if had ever heard that one. <laughs> uh, and by the way, I misspoke earlier about the number of schools in Virginia that withheld this national merit recognition information, it's 16 schools, not 16 districts. That, that's over three districts. It doesn't matter, it's crazy. They ought to fire every damn one of them for doing that. This equity crap. I'm sick of it. It's its over the top. Making sure that everybody has a fair shake, the same opportunity, I'm all about that. That, that should be ingrained in every aspect of our society. But then you cross the line when you say, I'm sorry, even though you did better than someone sitting next to you, you have to just have the same outcome that they do. Sorry. Where did we get to this point in this country where we don't recognize or reward merit or performance or excellence? That is a recipe for disaster. That's communism. That's communism without the material aspect of it, but it's still rooted in the same Marxist garbage. What is the purpose of this bill? You're having to order vehicles now, very little inventory on car lots. Yeah, we agree. That from Robert Brandon. That was an observation we made earlier, Robert. I, I hope you heard that. It's Since COVID, it's pretty much that's changed that whole deal. The lots aren't full of vehicles, and it's, a, it's good for the dealers. They don't have to go tap all their, their credit lines and, and, and uh, utilize the, all these flooring facilities to bring all this inventory in and hope it sells. And by the way, if it doesn't, then they start discounting it. i got to get rid of this inventory and make room for the next models. That's, that's the way that works. Well, now they, that risk has been stripped out of the model to a great extent. Because people have become accustomed to, well, when I buy a new car, I'm just going to order up exactly what I want. I just have to transact that, process that, through a brick-and-mortar dealer.
2: Now imagine the savings for the consumer if they could skip out on the dealer and not have to pay the dealer's overhead and just get it straight from the manufacturer.
1: Unless that dealer can provide some value that society will pay for. That's as simple as that. Johnny at West Point says, yeah, and they're selling at full list. I agree, because they can't. Some over list. You've heard examples of that.
2: Oh, yeah, especially for high-demand models.
1: Yeah. Let's be honest, legislat- legislators are simply supporting dealership owners who contribute widely to campaign coffers. I really don't know that. That's on the ceasefire text line. I'm sure what it looks like, though. It, it kind of does, but I mean, it I don't, I'm just saying... definitely looks like
2: they're protecting a, a small minority of individuals in the Magnolia State, being those that own dealerships, over the much larger percentage of the Magnolia State that purchases vehicles.
1: Yeah. Uh, anything's plausible I'm just saying I don't have any evidence of that personally so I, I um, you know I hesitate to just uh, draw that line in the sand there what about the nurses that are staying here that still owe on student loans need to help them as well that's probably something that again the legislature ought to consider but any any time you delve into this idea of just giving money to people from the government. This is exactly what happens. What about me? What about me? What about me? It's exactly what happens. The whole the whole notion of student loan forgiveness from the federal government who gets most aggravated about that? Understandably so. Justifiably so. Are people that took care of their loans. Why well, to take care of mine? Why don't you? I could make the same argument, honestly, about this car dealer thing. I dealt with that, man. It's hard. Manufacturer comes in, you got to have a talk with them. We cannot survive if you're going to sell direct against us. you got to make a choice. Either you want us to be part of your model or you don't. So you know what we had to figure out? They'd come to us and they'd say, the manufacturers, the Cisco systems of the world, and the oracles and those guys, what is your value proposition? Why do we need you? What can you do to enhance our market efforts, our penetration in the addressable market? You better have your story ready. They're right. Absolutely right and we were able to show. Yeah, we evolved. We better figure out something other than just them protecting us. We better come up with some way to appeal to the market so that they will spend money with us. You get pretty good at that. That's what it ought to be about. It shouldn't be because you have to. Sorry, Mr. Custer, you just have to. Because the law says you do. No. Better get your value proposition ready. The Blues Brothers uh, pumping us out here on Middays, coming back in the Element Well Studios.
0: You're listening to Middays with Gerard here on Super Talk Mississippi.
1: from Tishomingo County says, still hangs his clothes out, likes the fresh air smell. I, I agree. I do, too. I remember that when I was a kid, especially the sheets, right, Malcolm? Nothing better than sheets that have dried out in the uh, in the outdoors, especially if they dry in the sun. The sun seems to uh, inject some sort of freshness and, and um, fragrance that's pleasing. I, I mean, don't
2: know if, if you go far enough back in the history of laundry, which is a very obscure source of information but it seems counterintuitive but before you had mass available uh, commercial strength soaps, suds detergents, any of that they would beat the clothes to get stains out of it but to get white clothes as white as possible or white fabric as white as possible after washing and rinsing they would lay it out to be bleached by the sun, but they specifically wanted to lay it out over green grass. Hmm. And it sounds counterintuitive because grass is a really tough stain, especially on a light material, but if you carefully place it on the grass, there's something involved in the, the I just went blank on the scientific term, but basically the grass breathing hmm. that oxidizes and cleans and adds that, sm- it's weird,
1: but Not, they were doing that. 500 years ago to make their whites whiter, Didn't instead of using that. bleach. You think it's maybe a, a byproduct of the photosynthesis process, the absorption there? Something in there. How about that? On the ceasefire tax line, somebody that uh, seems like is uh, not in agreement with many of our views here, <laughs> Rhino, says, how much do you recommend to cut Social Security and Medicare? Is that Does that look like somebody looking at the history that doesn't quite agree with our... Our world oh, music. yeah,
2: that's the person that said I needed to be taken off the air because I was <laughs> calling President Biden a bumbling buffoon who doesn't know
1: where he is. Oh, you told the truth, in other right. words. Yeah. One um, of those inconvenient truths. Right, so I've not made any recommendation to cut Social Security and Medicare whatsoever. I've simply conveyed the financial reality, the fact that those programs are headed for financial disaster. And it's real simple. you either got to get more money coming in or less money going out or a combination of the two. It doesn't need a 400-page report. It's real simple. Now, how do you achieve that? That's when a lot of people got to come together and start talking about it. But any mention of it today, you get your head whacked off by the left who says, they want to cut Social Security and Medicare. That's what they say. No, we want to save it. We want to preserve it. You don't want to do squat, but kick the can down the road and keep racking up the debt, Robert Reich. That's just being dishonest. Do the dealers really fear a Tesla EV takeover in Mississippi? It's really not going to affect their bottom line. That's Derek and Greenwood. Well, I don't see how they could say that because these dealers, the dealers that are, for the most part, are found around the landscape in Mississippi today. They they represent the mainstream auto manufacturers. It's it's General Motors, it's Ford, it's Toyota, it's Nissan, it's Hyundai. I can't remember every single brand these days, but the point is, every single one of those companies is going to be selling electric vehicles. They already are now. They're investing mightily. The Corvette, you saw that? The hybrid was just uh, introduced. It looks pretty cool. Ford says they can't keep up with demand for the Lightning. The F-150, most popular vehicle, I believe, still in the country. They said they can't keep up with the demand. Nissan, a few miles north of us, is investing $500 million to retrofit the factory, to produce electric vehicles. I think three Nissan models coming out of there. So every one of these dealers is going to be selling electric vehicles. That's not the issue here, folks. The issue is, what is the route to market? Is it direct, meaning I just dial up the configuration and the model and all the features that I want, down to the color and the interior and the exterior and everything else you can choose from, which is... Probably more limited in an electric vehicle because you, you need fewer features or fewer options in a battery-powered vehicle. But you dial all that up, essentially, configure that on their websites using their tools, their apps, send that forward and work the financing out, and boom, they send it to you. That's what the question is about here, is that route to market. It just happens to be in this bill focused on electric vehicles because that's widely believed to be not only the future of vehicles, but all these electric vehicle manufacturers coming onto the scene, this is how they intend to sell their vehicles. This is what this addresses. It's the route to market. It's a bad bill. Yeah. I'll just say it. It's a bad bill. It shouldn't see
2: the light of day. The Senate shouldn't vote yay on it, but if they do... Tate could make a splash by vetoing it.
1: I totally agree. He'll look like a, a, a very much a champion of free markets and anti-central planning. That's what this is, central plan. No, you can't have that dealer. You can't sell that. can't do this. We are out of time here, folks. Thanks so much for joining us. Have a great weekend. We'll be back with you Monday. Until then, stay safe and God bless everyone.